In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Zombies are big business today, if you haven't noticed. Ever since the, the return of the Living Dead movies from however many years ago, on even up today, people are fascinated by zombies. There's even so much fascination with the zombie apocalypse. This past week, I was on Financial Center at a stoplight, and this big, gnarly truck pulled up next to me, and on the side was a bumper sticker that said, Zombie Hunters Association, as if this guy is going to go out and gun down the zombies. Today, we have before us my favorite of all the readings in the Easter Vigil. Ezekiel and the Valley of the Dry Bones. The story of Ezekiel and the Dry Bones seems a better fit for Halloween than Easter. You've got bones and skeletons and flesh and skin all coming together. An army of the undead sounds very much like zombies. When we picture dead bodies coming to life, it's usually kind of a fearful, gruesome thing. Who really wants to see people popping up out of their graves, coming back to life? They've decayed, they're kind of nasty, and even as one commercial shows a zombie today for hiring new people, if they drank water, all of the water would come out of their pores. Our problem is is that we don't see or experience the resurrection in our everyday lives. We don't have people who pop up out of the ground and say, let me tell you what I've seen. So we have a hard time believing it, at least that it can be something good, let alone real. If you haven't noticed or known about this, the biggest aversion to Christianity by other religions in the world, Islam and other religions, the biggest aversion is not Jesus and whether or not he is the Son of God and truly man. The biggest aversion is the resurrection. It's the biggest problem people have with Christianity. Prove to us that there is a resurrection of the body. Prove to us this. And I would even dare say that there are many in Christianity as well who have looked at the resurrection of Christ more as a metaphor rather than a real thing. If you believe in Jesus, there will be a resurrection of your finances. If you believe in Jesus, there will be a resurrection of your marriage which is in trouble. If you just believe in Jesus enough There will be a resurrection spiritually for a new life. It's pretty easy to believe if you think about it. It's a lot easier to believe in a spiritual resurrection that you and I will find a resurrection in some troubled part of our life or even if we talk about the resurrection from the dead on the last day that you'll come back as a spirit or a ghost or some sort of thing, an orb of light, maybe some gas floating in the air. But you're not going to have a body to hold you back anymore. 
or just that you'll live on in the lives and memories of your loved ones. That's a resurrection as well, some might say. There is a disdain for the body, for flesh and blood and bones. And it's understandable, especially as people grow older and their bodies begin to let them down. When you and I struggle daily with our body, its aches and pains and diseases and the pills we have to pop to take care of them. And your eyes and ears don't work like they should. I talked to one of my best friends from seminary who's a couple years younger than me about a week ago, and he said, man, dude, I had to get bifocals. I've already had them my, my, myself, I said. We have problems with this. Our eyes, our ears don't work like they should. And you and I feel trapped. We feel frustrated within your own body. Wouldn't it be better to be rid of our body altogether? Wouldn't it be better to be a spirit no longer bound by your flesh? Believe it or not, that's what most of the Greek philosophers thought, along with several of the early Christians. They were known as a group called the Gnostics. They were all about the spiritual rather than the physical. They literally thought that anything physical, fleshly, was automatically bad. It was evil and that your goal in life was to move beyond your bodily needs. If you want a simple analogy to think about it, imagine your life and you being a can of soda. Your spirit is in that can of soda, and it's no good if the can is closed up. There's no benefit of the spirit. So what must one do? They must open up the can of soda to let the spirits and the sweetness and the joy be released. The problem is, is that God made you in his image, according to scripture. Even Christians who hear this today, who are Gnostics, have a hard time with this. Let us create man in our image, says God in the book of Genesis. And what else does God say in the book of Genesis? He looks at these things and it is good in his eyes. Bones flesh, blood, brains, eyes, ears, snot. It's all good in his eyes. Don't talk to me about hair. Don't start with me. For these people, the incarnation makes no sense. Why would a spiritual God want to trap his spirit within a human body. For them, the resurrection of the body is just plain foolish. Doesn't make sense. Once you get rid of your body, who would want it back? Death is actually a good thing because you set your spirit free from the body. And please, let's be honest for a moment. We think the same thing. My loved one is now in heaven with God. 
no longer to live in this body that was full of illness and medication and disease. They're at a better place, which is true. Absolutely it's true. But as you're going to say in the creed in a few moments, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. When Jesus dies, he doesn't reappear in his resurrection to his disciples as a spirit. There were plenty in the early church who said that he did. He reappeared to them as a spirit. But go back and see the simple things that happen in the resurrection. Jesus looks at them and says, Hey, do you have anything to eat? Do you have anything here that I can eat? A spirit does not eat food. A resurrected body, though, does. The good news of the resurrection, the picture that you have in Ezekiel today, is of a body and a bodily physical, fleshly resurrection, not just a spiritual resurrection, not just eternal life for your soul, but eternal life for your body too. But this is not like some sort of zombie, the Frankenstein experiment monster, but a Jesus sort of resurrection, a resurrection that gives you your body back. A resurrection that says that your loved one who's gone on before you will see Jesus with their own fleshly eyes face to face, and guess what? They will see you as well. I would give anything to sit down with my dad, to look into his own eyes, the eyes I knew so well and remember so well. I would give anything to have a hug from him, to hold his hand, to be able to speak with him. And if the resurrection is just some sort of spiritual hoo-ha-ha, then I'm not going to get what I remember about my dad in the flesh. The resurrection gives us our body back, yes, but my dad won't have cancer anymore. Your eyes won't have cataracts. Your ears won't have hearing aids. Knees and hips won't be replaced. Noses won't run and throats won't get dry. Wouldn't you love to live in a body like that? To have all five senses working perfectly to experience God's creation the way it was meant to be? If all of this around us here today, the sun, the moon, the stars, everything else is given to us by God, and that's not the reality of what eternal life is, then what was all of this made for? But if it is truly that God is going to restore everything and you spiritually and physically, if it's really what Jesus says, behold, I make all things new, a new heavens and a new earth, then everything that is wrong and broken and dying in this world will be made new. This is ours today, not something that we can see and feel 
and experience, but it is yours con concretely and solidly by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has raised you in your baptism. We were crucified with him and resurrected, and we now walk in the newness of life. The newness of life that has been given to you now, even with the diseases, cataracts, and hearing aids, and bifogals, the newness of life that is guaranteed for you on the last day. Here on earth, the Holy Spirit interacts with you, not just spiritually, but physically, earthly, in an incarnational way. That's what are called the sacraments. Earthly, physical water, bread and wine attached with the Holy Spirit's word. The Holy Spirit gets at you in ways that you can touch and taste. Real physical water in baptism, real physical bread and wine in the Eucharist. You don't just experience God in your heart and in your conscience and your mind, but your body gets to play along too. You're going to hear it in just a few moments. The body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in both body and soul until life everlasting. His flesh and blood become one with your flesh and blood in this great and wondrous gift. His forgiveness becomes one with you to take away the stain of sin, the sickness and sorrow and shame that we experience. And yes, it promises you that wondrous resurrection of the body. Your whole body today gets drawn into worship as well. Stand up, sit down. Stand up, sit down. Stand up, sit down. The seminary we called those liturgical calisthenics. Folding your hands, bowing your head, closing your eyes, turning your body to face the cross, kneeling at the altar, making the sign of the cross. Worship today isn't just something that you do with your mind and your heart. Can you feel him here? You do it with your whole body. Nothing is left out. And it goes with you. As you go and serve your neighbors in real physical bodily ways, loving, embracing, crying, laughing and rejoicing with people in all of these ways, giving them real food to eat, real clothes to wear, using handshakes and hugs, actually touching people, which I know seems strange today, but it's how God works, because Jesus has touched you. Holy Spirit is after more than just your mind and your heart and your feelings and your emotions. And Ezekiel shows that today. Prophesy to the Spirit. Say to the Spirit. And you heard the rattling of bones and things like sinews, which I don't know what those are. Don't tell me. Flesh and blood coming about it and the breath of life. 
By the, word, by the way, the word spirit in the scriptures is pneuma, wind, breath. Adam and Eve were given the breath of life. The breath of life was breathed into the valley of the dry bones. The breath of life has been breathed into you in your baptism. He saves all of you in body and soul. He raised Jesus from the dead on that Easter morning, a Jesus whom the disciples could actually touch and eat with, a Jesus who ate fish and walked on the beach with them, a Jesus who breathed on them the Holy Spirit to breathe into other dead bodies the gift of his righteousness forgiveness, mercy, love, and life. Apart from the Holy Spirit, apart from the Word and the sacraments, we are like those dry, dead bones, lifeless, hopeless, and frightening. I heard yesterday at our circuit pastor's meeting about a dramatic reading of Ezekiel Dunn, which I think is kind of silly. And he said that in the midst of the dramatic reading of Ezekiel, somebody would bring along baby powder and breathe it all over the congregation. Talcum powder will give you cancer or whatever else it is today, so we're not going to do that. But that's not the point. This is not a dramatic spiritual type of thing. This is a flesh and blood religion that we hold on to. Why? Because you and I are flesh and blood. And so was the eternal Son of God, and he still is today for you. The Spirit reminds us and points us to that, that we have eternal life, not just for our souls, but for our bodies too. And so when that last day comes and Jesus returns, he will bring us out of our graves. Did you catch that today? I will bring my people out of the graves and he will give your body back. I might have hair. Renewed, restored, recreated, perfected to not only enjoy the new creation with him, but to embrace and hold and speak to one another in the flesh. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.